Welcome to the first Best Nurse Podcast, where each month we share information for and about Atrium Health Nurses. All right, well, welcome everybody to our next episode here with the first Best Nurse Podcast here at Atrium Health. I am so, so excited about today's topic. And um, it's one of my favorite topics. It is advanced practice registered nurses. Um, and uh, I, I, I always get intrigued by the, the, the different levels or the different categories of advanced practice nursing, nursing across the nation here. And so Atrium Health is, uh, is obviously um, a leader in advanced practice nursing. And we are excited to have an episode focusing on our advanced practice registered nurses. Yeah, we are, Carmen. Thanks for bringing that up. We are excited to have a panel of some amazing APRNs here with us today. Yeah, yeah. We're going to go ahead and just get right into the topic here. But before we do that, let's just go around, um, you know, the room and and just introduce ourselves. We we do have, uh, there, there are four advanced practice registered nurses, nursing roles. And one is clinical nurse specialist. One is the uh, nurse practitioner. One is certified registered nurse anesthetist and then certified nurse midwife. All right. So we'll go ahead and uh, start with uh, Sherry. So Sherry, start us off and then we'll go around uh, the circle in the room here. Hi, my name is Sherry Bernardo. I am a certified registered nurse anesthetist and my role at Atrium Health is I'm the director of anesthesia quality and practice throughout anesthesia uh, in the metro division, which pretty much encompasses all of the 10 hospitals in the primary enterprise. I'm doctorally prepared, and I also have a master's in health administration. Thank you. All right, we'll go to uh, Lauren. Hi, my name is Lauren Crossland. I am a certified nurse midwife, CNM. Um, so um, prepared with my master's in nursing, and I work with Charlotte OBGYN, um, which is a um, private practice um, OBGYN clinic. We have six offices around the city, and we do our deliveries and procedures mostly at um, CMC Maine. All right, Kathy. Hey guys, my name is Kathy Schaefer. I am the clinical nurse specialist for Women's Service Line here at Carolina's Medical Center and also um, the CNS coordinator for Central Division with a team of 12 other CNSs who are amazing and awesome. I have been a nurse for 21 years. Carrie. Hi everyone, I'm Carrie Beaver. Um, I am a certified family nurse practitioner. I work in internal medicine. I'm at Charlotte Medical Clinic. Um, we have two locations, one at South Park and one at Arboretum. Um, and I am doctorally prepared. And last but not least, Diane. Hello everybody, my name is Diane Holmes and I am a family nurse practitioner. I work with Sanger Heart and Vascular Institute and I do um, all things advanced heart failure. So I'm a heart transplant and ventricular assist device coordinator with Sanger. Um, I've been with the system for 14 years where I started as a new grad nurse and went on to grad school and now I've been with Sanger for about eight years. Diane, I just want to congratulate you because um, I don't know if y'all know this, but I, that's how I know Diane is from when she was a nurse at CMC on Seven Tower. And now I see that you yes. have 
great job as nurse practitioner with Sanger and what a story of career growth. So congratulations. That's very exciting and inspiring. Thank you, Stephanie. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and um, just get right to the topic here. And and I'll start with Lauren. Lauren, what or or who is considered an advanced practice registered nurse and why are um I'm going to say you all, you and and others on this call consider an advanced practice registered nurse. So an advanced practice registered nurse starts with your um, RN degree, which is a bachelor's degree, and then you move on to a master's program and then some move on to a doctoral program. Um, I would say most master's um, degrees in nursing take anywhere from two to four years, depending on your if you're doing part-time or full-time, I would say probably most of us worked as a nurse while we were going back to school, and um, which is great about the field of nursing that it's so flexible and can kind of work around your family life too. Yeah, so um, it, the different, you know, fields of advanced practice nursing um, have different um, clinical parts to those and different links um, of like clinical rotations that are uh, a part of that education as well as the academic um, classwork part. And then um, most all, uh, I guess, tracks of getting your APRN is um, then you get your boards, take your boards and become a registered licensed provider in the state that you work in. That is awesome, Lauren. You know, um, while you're talking there, I, I noticed you mentioning, you know, with your family and juggling and all that. How do you how did you guys do it? I mean, how did you work and have kids and get get become an advanced practice nurse? I want to hear that because I, I'm sure other nurses are maybe using that as an excuse to stop them from going the route you've gone. So maybe help break down some of those barriers for our listeners. Sherry, you want to comment on that one? Okay. Um, I'll go ahead and jump in on that one. Well, I was fortunate, I guess, at the time. I was in nursing roughly about nine years in when I decided to go back to anesthesia school. And um, the thing that I was fortunate with is that we had a great school here in the city where I was working as a nurse. So that took a little bit of the stress off of me going back to school. But I didn't have children when I went back. It was just my husband and myself. I had fur babies who sometimes can be just as demanding as children. But, um, you know, I think it really at that time, it was a mindset because I, I continued to work, even though I really wasn't supposed to. I did work weekends. I, at that time, I was in CVRU and a PACU nurse. So I spent most of my time through my two and a half years of my anesthesia program working as a PACU nurse on the weekends and some evenings, which I think helped give me that extra motivation. Plus, it was sort of reinforcing. I was in the area that I was going to be working, you know, being in the OR was where I was going to live most of the, my future life. So taking care of patients that, who just came out of the operating room really gave me, I think, an advantage to um, just really pick the brains of a lot of other APRNs that were in the role already practicing as CRNAs. I felt like, um, you know, I had my PACU RN role, but also I was learning all the great things about anesthesia and taking care of patients in the OR at the time. Yeah, and this is Kathy. I agree with Sherry, it's one of those you see folks that are advanced practice nurses and the impact that they can make and you start to get that desire and that itch of 
oh, I really want to do this. And I went back later into my nursing career after being um, a nurse for about 14 years, decided I wanted to pursue my APRN and I decided on getting my CNS. And at the time I was a single mom, I had three kids and I thought, is there any way that I could do this? But I do think if you have the wheel that you're able to figure it out and get it done. And it was really cool to see how much my kids supported it and also how they um, were excited when I graduated. We almost kind of all did it together. So I think there's no excuses. If you really want it, you'll figure it out and you'll pursue it. That's great. I do think sometimes when you go back to school and your kids see you do that, it, it can be um, it can be challenging. Don't get me wrong, but it can also sort of be family time together where you all do your homework together and you're role modeling something important for them. So, uh, but, but, you know, I wanted to ask you guys just maybe get in a little bit deeper with how did you choose the path that you chose like what led you to that decision because there are a lot of choices you know when you're at the bedside and you're thinking of all the different angles that you can take in your career how did you maybe narrow down into what you decided to do and then you know along with that what could you advise other people who are at that stage right now where they're contemplating what to do so lauren we'll start with you yeah thanks i was just gonna go back just one second to say that i think a lot of um master's programs in nursing are are very flexible i had three kids in the middle of nursing and during my master's program and was working full-time in labor and delivery um and you know like you just take a break or you just take one class when you have that newborn at home and then you get right back to it and i agree with stephanie it's a it's a whole family project and it is awesome to see um, your kids being proud of you and being that role model um, that they can do that someday too. So that, is, that has been really rewarding for my family. I chose um, the midwife route. I actually knew that I wanted to be an advanced practice nurse before I even went to RN school. Um, and that was like my end goal. It just took me a little bit longer to get there than I thought. <laughs> um uh, my, I'm one of four kids. My mom actually was cared for by a APRN, a certified nurse midwife for my siblings. And so that was kind of my initial inspiration. And then um, was able to eventually, I went to RN school out of, um, you know, out of high school and worked in labor and delivery for about three years. Because once, once you get into it, you realize there's a lot more to learn than you think. <laughs> So that RN background and experience, I think, is so incredibly valuable as you move on into your master's. Um, yeah, and then I started my master's program, which was kind of my end goal. And I love just being able to have that additional tools in my pocket because I'm still an RN. I still use all those amazing skills and um, things that you learn in our in school, but it's just one more step with a bunch more tools and ways to care for people that I love. Um, this is Diane. I'm kind of similar to Lauren in the fact that I came in knowing I wanted to be a nurse practitioner. Um, essentially, nursing was my second degree. When I was doing my undergrad at College of Charleston, I was a biology major. Initially, went to college thinking I would 
was going to med school. Um, and then through a program that I was a part of while at College of Charleston exposed me to so many other careers within healthcare. So I narrowed my decision down to, I think I want to do PA school or go to MP school. And then so after more and more research of programs, I decided, okay, let me go into nursing. At least I can work while I'm in grad school and then get that foundation um, as I go through grad school. So I worked. Um, and while I was in nursing school, I worked at a cardiology practice in South Carolina. So that built my love for um, cardiology. And then came up here to Charlotte and started working with Atrium. And the rest is kind of history. I, I worked full time. And so that was the other thing. When I looked at programs, I looked at programs that would be compatible with my single life and being able to pay bills and still go to school. So I actually did grad school part-time and still worked full-time on Seven Tower as a clinical supervisor um, and did clinicals and survived all that and graduated. And here I am today. This is Carrie. So yeah, so um, when I was in nursing school at UNC Charlotte, um, they talked to us about like APRN roles after I graduated um, with my BSN and started working as like a new grad nurse. I was on six tower at CMC Maine with the cardiac patients. And then I was eventually uh, moved to two West um, at CMC Pineville, again, working with a lot of cardiac patients. And I just realized I would like to increase my scope of practice and um, be able to help patients in an outpatient role. Um, just because in the hospital, we see the patients um, and then they go home. And so I wanted to be able to get to see them on an ongoing basis and see the progress they make and help them make those positive life changes um, for their health. And so I ended up deciding to go back, went to Duke University for my master's. And then um, going through the master's program, we were encouraged to do um, the DNP program. So then I ended up moving forward and doing the DNP program right um, from my master's into DNP um, and going through school. Single, I had no kids, so that definitely um, helped. And then also I worked, ended up working weekends um, because clinicals um, in the master's program were pretty much like Monday through Friday. So I definitely worked weekends as a RN um, while I was getting my advanced degrees. I mean, you do what it takes, right? You know, um, working the weekends, making it work. I'm just so impressed by you ladies. And, and you know, Carmen and Stephanie, you two really are advanced with your um, degrees, with your master's. And I know, Carmen, you are actually Dr. Shaw. So, I mean, I'm just impressed by you guys. But I wanted to ask you guys, as I'm talk, working with nurses coming in or even healthcare techs, asking them about their goals, a lot of their end goals are what you guys are doing, what you guys are living. What did it feel like when you crossed that threshold of, okay, I'm leaving the bedside or changing my role? What did that feel like that first day that you're no longer a peer with those other nurses, but now you're, now you're an advanced practitioner, above, in, maybe not above them, but working with them? Was that a weird feeling? Like, share your thoughts on that, and any any one of you can chime in. This is Sherry. I'll go ahead and um, answer that question. I'll be honest. My first day, I was scared to death because, you know, I guess the role of a CRNA is a little bit different. Is that we're in the operating room, pretty much at the head of the bed by ourselves most of the time behind a drape. 
you know, when you're on an IC, working in an ICU or CVRU where I came from, I think you had a lot of your colleagues that you could fall back on when you had a clinical question and sort of that, you know, try to do a decision tree of do I want to do this or which way would you go? Whereas now, when that day came, I was the person at the head of the bed behind the drape by myself, relying on my education and everything I had learned to hopefully make the right decision for the patient at the time. So um, I felt a little bit different, I think, than if I had been out on a unit where I had been comfortable in the past. Yeah, and this, I, I feel like this is really important, too, is to understand imposter syndrome. And I'm very thankful that in our program, our instructors had warned us about imposter syndrome and understanding when you first come out and you first cross that line, you don't feel like you're ready to be there. You're a novice. You go back from being that expert to into a novice role again. So it's really an interesting change. And just like Sherry said, it's so scary <laughs> because all of a sudden you have brand new responsibility, just like when you first came out of nursing school that you've got training, but you just don't have the experience for it. So I do think that imposter syndrome kicked in. What a great point. I hadn't thought about that imposter syndrome. I've heard about it and I hadn't thought about it, but what a great point. Diane, what were you thinking? Saying I was similar to Sherry in that, that I'll never forget my first day. Essentially, I walked across the stage on December 15th when I started my new job on December 17th. So they oriented me um, as I was waiting to take boards and get credentialed. And it was shell shock that first day because it was so much to learn. And then just changing that mindset from bedside RN to thinking like a clinical provider and you're the one helping make the decisions. And then the second day I was in the OR with a patient getting an LVAD and I had not taken care of that patient prior to that day. So it was definitely kind of like eyes wide open. But the team, the physician team I worked with at the bedside for so long were very supportive and really helped me into that role, but I will not forget that that first week I was like, what did I get myself into? But it's fun, and here I am eight years later. Yeah, so for for those out there listening, and, and maybe, you know, there's a, a new graduate nurse, registered nurse, maybe there's a nurse that's been practicing for a, a year, and they want to pursue their uh, advanced uh, role in registered nurse as a registered no nurse. What type of clinical experience, direct nurse experience, uh, would those nurses need to have? So, so Sherry, you are in you know the nurse anesthesia world, right? OR. So, is there a specific clinical experience that registered nurse needs, or maybe should have? Um, that would, you know, meet the criteria for getting into programs? Yeah, that's a great question, Carmen. Um, I actually sit on the interview committee for our nurse anesthesia program now. So, you know, I get to see all of the different backgrounds coming in. And this is purely my opinion, but I think, you know, the nurses that are most successful in a certified registered nurse anesthesia program are those nurses that have had a pretty heavy cardiac-based experience. Most of the um, candidates we see coming into anesthesia, nurse anesthesia, have a heavy CVRU, CTICU background where they're used to hemodynamics. Um, you know, we're getting further and further away from, I'd like to call it old school, you know, PA casts and, 
those type of things we're not seeing in patients like we used to. So we know that, you know, all candidates aren't going to have that experience. But I think if the one bit of advice I can give a registered nurse thinking about anesthesia school would be spend some time in a cardiac unit. You know, it can even be something like the cath lab or invasive labs, but knowing hemodynamics and cardiac drugs are probably going to get you the furthest with your education in this role. So I've heard a lot about access to care, you know, and we're located right in Charlotte where, you know, there's, it's very urban. There's a lot of places to choose for care and largely people can access it. But I've heard across the state where we have more rural areas, there may be difficulty um, for people, for patients to access care. I've heard about this with nurse midwives or with primary care, um, where it's just maybe not quite as available as it is right here in Charlotte. So um, with that being said, I know that there's there's some health policy out there about how y'all practice under our MD license. And I, I want to hear a little bit about that and how you think um, either is that is that helping us be able to spread our ability to provide care all throughout the state or are there things that we should be aware of in terms of the health policy related to how you all can practice? Anyone brave enough to answer that one? <laughs> I'll go ahead and jump in. That's, this is Sherry again, if no one wants to take it. Um, I think anesthesia is a little bit different because at least in the state of North Carolina, um, supervision isn't statutory for nurse anesthetists. Um, the language um, pretty much says that we practice in collaboration with other physicians. So um, North Carolina is unique in the fact that I don't have to have an anesthesiologist to practice anesthesia. I can practice with another surgeon as my supervising physician who's actually I'm working with in collaboration to take care of that patient. You make a really good point about the rural access and I think that's another thing that's unique to North Carolina. I have a lot of colleagues that are actually, you know, work far beyond the boundaries of Charlotte but provide integral care to women, you know, especially in the mountain counties with labor epidurals and also pain services that are out there in those areas that they wouldn't have access to otherwise if they were sort of tied to a health policy rule to keep them practicing in a certain manner. So I do want to, before we kind of wrap up our conversation today, I do want to talk a little bit about how has the pandemic changed your practice as a advanced practice registered nurse? I mean, it, it I, I would imagine it has in some form or fashion um, wherever we are practicing at. So, Kathy, I'll start with with you and maybe you can kind of tell us what, what have you seen different and maybe what opportunities post pandemic where we're still in the pandemic, but post initial pandemic. Um, what, what kind of opportunities do we see for advanced practice registered nurses? Kathy? Yeah, I think this brings up a great question. I think the pandemic, while it had its challenges, it also shed a great light on the importance of the advanced practice nurse, um, all of us. So it really allowed opportunities virtually um, that we may not have had access to before. And then it also really allowed us to showcase some of our unique training and abilities because we were needed um, during those crisis care times. So I think in post-pandemic state, we'll be able 
to work on those, grow those, because we have showcased the role of the advanced practice nurse, especially during that pandemic and what we're capable of and the care and the quality that we can drive even through a crisis and how much better it can be even outside of a crisis. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'll just put a plug in, you know, immediately when the pandemic started, our clinical nurse specialists across the system, you know, from all the different specialties pulled together and, you know, created the crisis care standards in the event we needed to activate them. And just the the, the efficiency, the expertise that was just so swiftly brought to the table was just incredible. And it, you know, it for me, it just gave me confirmation of the role of the clinical nurse specialists in our healthcare systems. Lauren? Yeah, I just am really proud of us advanced practice nurses to, as we usually are good at stepping up to the plate during a challenge. And I think I agree with Kathy that we're seeing good things and good changes coming out of our ability to kind of be a chameleon in this pandemic crisis time. And we have seen in women's healthcare a lot of things, you know, women are pulled a lot of different ways and sometimes they don't always have time to come in for an appointment for childcare reasons or whatever. And we've made so many of those visits um, virtual now, which I think is a continue will be a continuing thing. Um, I also think that we have stepped up to the plate as far as when we're doing those virtual visits. Our one thing that we're absolutely so good at is education and educating patients on what's what's normal and what's not normal and when do you need to come in. And um, I think it sa- saves healthcare dollars even. So I'm just really proud of our our specialties and how we have served our communities and kept giving them the same amazing holistic care as a healthcare team, even during these times of emergency and pandemic. This is Diane. I just wanted to say that I think with the pandemic, it possibly could have been a blessing in disguise in the nurse practitioner world. Um, and the aspect that prior to the pandemic, there has been a big legislative push across various states for nurse practitioners to get full practice authority. Um, you know, there's some states that have it, and then there's some states that don't. In North Carolina, we're restricted in the aspect that as a nurse practitioner, you have to um, have collaborative practice with the supervising physician. So prior to the pandemic, there was legislature that was presented called the SAVE, S-A-V-E, SAVE Act, that went to North Carolina legislature and legislation was stagnant, really couldn't move forward. Um, But then with the pandemic and then just, you know, virtual care and more access to care through the virtual world, you know, maybe this could help because now this has been represented to the North Carolina legislature. So it's the House Bill 277, Senate Bill 249, SAVE Act now is back um, in front of them. And our hope is that we can continue to advocate because if you have nurse practitioners, especially in rural areas that have full practice authority, that's just more access to care for those um, patients and populations where they may not have access or there's someone out there that doesn't have a supervising physician 
that can help collaborate with them. So I'm hoping um, as there is a closer eye on what's going on with healthcare with this pandemic, we can get that pushed through and nurse practitioners can get full practice authority. This is Carrie. So yeah, when the pandemic started our clinic, I mean, just like everyone else, we went completely virtual. And so for primary care, that was completely different. We had done no virtual visits prior to that. Um, so it was a complete learning curve, but it was great to see that the um, APRNs, what we found in our clinic, they started pulling our physicians to other needed areas. And as APRNs, we were there to cover the patients to make sure they got seen. And so that was really cool to see that, um, that we got to step in in a in a big way um, to help make sure the patients still had access to care. Um, and now, you know, as the pandemic has continued and we've opened up um, our office to see patients in clinic, um, to be able to continue to do virtual care has been great because there's so many patients who just, they're not able to get in here um, to the office. And so we're able to do their routine care virtually, um, which has been great. So, you know, even though there was this pandemic and we went through all of the stuff, it really, I feel like, opened everyone's eyes to the benefit of virtual care. Um, and I'm really proud of the APRNs that have stepped up throughout the pandemic. Yeah, this, this, this is, is, oh, go oh. ahead, Lauren. Sorry, I was just going to say one quick thing too, like in addition to the access for care for rural areas, I think Stephanie kind of mentioned, you know, we're in the middle of Charlotte. There's lots of access here, but I feel like APRNs not only provide access, but options to care because some people would rather see an APRN. We, we do things a little bit differently. We focus on different things. So I think that is also something that is great that even when there's access, sometimes there's not always options. So I think that's a, a cool thing that we provide yeah. too. Really, really good point. Yeah. Thanks, Lauren. So we're going to, you know, just wrap up our, our podcast. And I mean, this was, I think just a, the beginning of, um, you know, a, a, a larger picture of the conversation, but uh, we're just so excited and, and happy that you all were, able to join us um, for, you know, just giving us an idea of the advanced practice registered nurse role. Um, we always end our, um, our podcast with the mission and vision um, of Atrium Health, because I don't know if you all know, but the title of our podcast is First, um, First Best Nurse. And that really was taken right out of our um, vision. So, um, you know, our vision is to be the first and best in nursing, right? So that's where we got our title from. So before you leave today, I want everyone to um, just tell us what does that, that vision or, or really the mission and the mission is to improve health, elevate hope and advance healing for all. But our vision is to be the first and the best choice of care. So what does that mean from a, from a, um, an APRN or advanced practice registered nurse perspective. And if there's anything else you want to share on the podcast, please do so as well. And we'll start with um, Sherry. Um, you know, that's a great question, Carmen, about the mission and vision. I think we have so much talent here, not just in the APRN world. I mean, we're a world-class institution. I think we have some of the best nurses. You know, I get to see nurses from 
every avenue coming and bringing patients to the OR. We do a lot outside of the OR where we're working with radiology and endoscopy and cath lab. And um, it just amazes me the talent pool that we have here. So when we think about the vision of to be the first and best choice for care, I think it's an easy one that we have a nurse anesthesia program here at Atrium Health. And I, you know, we have a lot of talented nurses that do take that uh, trajectory to come to anesthesia school. And it's always enlightening because I've actually, you know, got to work with a lot of these really talented teammates that I see in the ICUs day in and day out. And, you know, I think it's an honor that they've considered the profession that I spend, you know, the last 20 something years of my life doing. And, you know, they want to go that route. So I think we've got a lot of homegrown here and definitely the best first and best choice of nursing to pull from you know the improving health elevating hope and advancing healing i think we are like i said we're just on the cutting edge with what i've seen our operating room do in the last 20 years you know we're world-class in transplants we're world-class in hepatobiliary i mean every service line is stepping it up and you know we're taking care of patients from all over the country that come here to charlotte and um, i'm just proud to be part of that yeah, yes. And we work so well together, Sherry. I mean, it's just been a pleasure, even over my clinical career to work beside you. I mean, you, you're you're just a, a dear nurse colleague. And um, just to see your passion for nursing and what you do show every day through your your actions. And it's always inspired me. So thank you for sharing. Diane? I can say that as far as the mission Improve Health Elevate hope and advance healing is what I do every day. In the world of advanced heart failure, you know, these patients are the same. And I can say that I truly work with a singer team that cares about improving a patient's hope, health, um, giving them some hope, knowing that there's options, and then advancing healing. And one of our big things is just making sure, you know, people are aware that we're here and we're here to help. And we're trying to expand our services. And so they've really um, expanded APP, you know, incorporated into care and expanding those services to patients beyond the Charlotte metro um, region. So, you know, it's something I do every day. It's something I'm passionate about. It's something I can genuinely say that my team is passionate about. And we live out this mission on a daily basis. And I agree with our mission and vision here with Atrium. It really defies what hope looks like for our community, right, and for our teammates. And um, from a CNS perspective and working with the CNSs, we are in a really unique position to drive change through those three spheres of impact. So with the patients, with nursing, and then on a system level. So it's really cool with their mission and vision, how the CNS, as far as advanced practice nursing, can drive that mission and vision home to be the first and the best choice while we're elevating that hope and advancing healing. I'm using that unique training to work through those three spheres of impact. Thank you, Kathy. Did anybody else want to share any insights about our um, mission and vision? Um, I'll just say one quick thing. This is Lauren again. Um, Just thinking about the, especially the Elevate Hope 
piece. You know, we definitely, you know, do that with our patients um, in our communities. But I think it's really important too. And I know you all have been a part of this at some point, precepting and training the upcoming and future generation of APRNs. Um, and elevating hope and encouraging RNs to go forward into school and um, being their mentors and clinical preceptors and stuff like that. I think that is so important and a really, I guess, rewarding part of my job that I like. Yeah, so I just think that that is so important and um, any RNs out there that are looking to to further their career, I say, go for it. You can do it. We're behind you. We're with you. I just think that's so cool to elevate um, the teammates that are are looking to go further. Well, um, I'm hearing Lauren. She said, go for it. And I think we all agree if you're listening and you are looking to advance, go for it. Uh, There's (laughs) nothing holding you back except for yourself, you know? (laughs) I'm sure you can find some scholarships. I'm sure your boss can help work with you. And it sounds like your family, they're your biggest cheerleaders and they'll get behind what you're doing. And I personally am inspired by you guys today. And I know Stephanie's been cheering me on to get my master's personally too. So I'm going to go for it myself. Um, So yeah, I I just want to shout out to our um, producer, Chris Tata. He is putting this together for us today. And um, again, thank you to our wonderful guests and um, Carmen Shaw and Stephanie McDonald and um, and myself, Megan Hurth, we thank you for your time and tune in for our next episode, First Best Nurse Podcast. Um, Have a great day.